DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbooks. It's easy to navigate. It has plenty of instructions for new bettors and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbooks, and I know you will, too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention. Bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you'll claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Thank you for asking. This this uh, this dirge, this funeral procession that we have today—that's <laughs> right—and it ain't going to be a New Orleans style with the fun. No, no, no. There's no uh, second line here. Right, right. Yeah. Just doom and gloom, baby. <laughs> I mean, did you wake up feeling actual despair today? Yes. Yeah, me too. Me too. And last night, by the time I got home, I thought I'd sort of worked through my feelings, and I was like, you know what? I just just wasn't the wasn't the right season. You know, these injuries, blah blah blah. Plus, you know, it's been a it's been a lot a lot of basketball lately. You know, yeah. Maybe it's good to take a little break. And then by this morning, I was just like, this should not have happened. This isn't what was <laughs> supposed to happen. This is tragic. Yeah, it's tragic. It is. Um, all right. Well, why don't you welcome people back, Simon? All right, folks. You better welcome back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. I am your host, William, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation, maybe Nets season. <laughs> we are back as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things Nets Nation. And this week, there's one thing and one thing only to discuss in Nets Nation, and that is the ultimate collapse of the super team at the hands <laughs> of a fairly mediocre Bucks team. <laughs> Simon, before the series began, I was high on the Nets. I had a, I had a sweep, in, sweep in the Bucks, at worst a gentleman sweep. You, on the other hand, thought the Bucks were going to win from the start. But I, I feel like Sometime very shortly after the 49-point trouncing of the second game, when <laughs> when two-thirds of the big three looked completely unstoppable, something yeah. changed in you, and it's the worst thing that can ever change in a person. It's, uh, it's called hope, and you <laughs> developed a very, very strong sense of hope for this team, hopefulness for the future, and as with anyone who develops hope, 
that hope was ultimately crushed, and <laughs> you are left a mere fragment of the man you were before you let hope creep into your life. Uh, tell us about that experience. Yeah, happy to. Um, thank you for asking. Um, I I would even say that I was hopeful heading into Game 7. It just felt good. And even the game, like as the game's going along, I was pretty confident for most parts of that game. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm still in shock a bit today that like we actually lost. Um, so, yeah, it sucks, you know. Sports, as my dad always says, uh, is just pain, really. Uh, <laughs> Certainly as a Mets fan. Right. And right, and he's a Yankee fan, and you still, you know, most years it just ends in disappointment. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a familiar feeling, but at the same time it's pretty novel. It be, I mean, we're used to disappointment. Right. Feeling bad, feeling low, that's usual. But this type of disappointment where you actually had hope, like, you know, you're, you're sad after a Sixers trouncing in the two, two years ago, but it's not like you didn't see it coming. That no, was, I remember know. that my takeaway from that series was one of the most exciting things I've ever seen is us almost beating them one game. Right, right, exactly. Like, yeah. game three was really close, way closer than I thought it was going to be. And that was fantastic, <laughs> and that was great. And see, that is that is the wonderful world of hopelessness and, yeah. and expectationless fandom, right? And that's where we came in with the Nets. Exactly. We were withdrawn to them because we would never be hurt because how can, how can something so bad hurt you? Right, exactly. Sean Kilpatrick not having a good game right. is not going to kill you. Right. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson maybe not be developing into the three-point stud we were told he was <laughs> going to. Eh, you know, it kind of water off a duck's back. Um, <laughs> but going up 2-0 against the Bucks, not even having your full team, and just seeing the pathway to an actual championship before you like th yeah. this is you know championship windows are small but this was a this was a great opportunity the team i right. mean we could be playing the hawks in the eastern conference finals <laughs> did they play they play tonight oh actually they play at uh they played at 3 30 i haven't checked the score but it's uh it's happening right now yeah Actually, you know what? The Suns and Clippers are happening right now. The other game. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it's happening today. Looks like Suns are up by eight on the Clippers. Oh, boy. But anyway, um, Suns and Clippers, uh, Kawhi-less Clippers, I'm not scared of that. Right. Or a badly hurt Kawhi, maybe you, you play. Right. I mean, can't be as badly hurt as James Harden, who is playing. <laughs> It's physically not possible. But the best the best thing, I don't know about you, William, but the best thing is that he set the bar so low in game five that by game yeah. seven, I'm like, this guy's cooking. Right. Uh, he's, he's, sure, back, he's, he's back to his MVP self. So. Yeah, he's two for 12. A little less efficient than I remember. but he, Yeah. Well, and, I mean, giant, giant asterisk here because he was so hurt. Of course, I am aware of that, but it's another entry in the old stat um, database of his game sevens. Yeah, um, yeah, sure yeah. He's not a 
pleased about. No, that doesn't that doesn't help the the overall argument for him being a, any good in the playoffs. Um, all right, well, clearly we're we're in a bad place in Nets Nation, uh, a very disappointing place. I know you know some some reports from the locker room were that people were very hopeful for next year. Um, and that's, you know, nice to hear. Um, I don't think that this is going to be a case for, and we, we may get into this more, but I don't think this is a team where it's like, all right, this is blow up central. You know, yeah. we have an extremely ready-made and I think legitimate excuse for why we lost. Like if yeah. Kyrie, James Harden and KD had all played the entire series and been um, healthy and not had a grade two hamstring injury and uh, just a pure absence and we'd lost, then we'd have to seriously look in the mirror here. But I think we can in good conscience say with those three healthy, I don't see a team in the East who is definitely better than us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, frankly, I don't see a team necessarily in the league that's definitely better than us. Yeah. I mean, and you just have to, right. I mean, it's the, it is kind of like, it is, in some ways, obviously the the positive way to look at that is the way you've laid out there. Um, but to me, there's a part of a nagging part of me that is kind of like, would it have been better if we had had those three players and they had just massively failed? Because then you could be like, okay, well, let's blow it up. Let's get some some draft picks back or some other, you know, some combination of this or whatever. Whereas like, as you said, like, I, I don't, I would be very, very surprised if those three players are not back next year. Um, and then after next year, uh, they are free agents um, unless they decide to sign extensions, which I would suspect they won't. But, um, Maybe Kyrie will, um, but uh, but yeah. So so you know I I don't know. Um, right. It's it like it's a little. It's just scary because like this year was like you have that nice buffer. It's like the Saturday versus the Sunday. On Saturday, you've got you're looking forward to you know Sunday. You can stay out late on Saturday. You can bend the rules, but by Sunday, the only thing you're looking at. Is a cold, hard work week. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know the team. The team isn't in in complete disrepair. You know, we're not like a a Mavericks team that is every every front office and coach and everyone's leaving. Like, I think I think Steve Nash is going to keep his job, and we're going to run it back with three superstars who, in the very 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 few minutes they played together, looked spectacularly <laughs> good together. Um, and you know, like honestly, from this series, we've talked about this. Uh, I would I would still not say that. Um, Bud is the guy I would like to be leading that that Bucks team. Sure, um, like that team s- should still be asking some very serious questions of itself. Whereas I don't think they are that serious for us. But what we are going to do today in this sad farewell to what became a really really exciting season. I mean, much of the season was just. Uh, a, a long recitation of who was on the injury list because it was always 
several players, often several key players. Yeah. Um, so the season wasn't particularly fun, but I will say the playoffs became extremely fun when it became clear rather quickly that our team was uh, really good. Right. So yeah. like my my whole confidence about the Nets before this was based on the, the idea like uh, don't overthink it. We like our talent is just going to win out and and overwhelm. And I think for the first um, series anyway, that was definitely true. And even in the in the first two games of the Bucks series, when we were only two thirds, it was still there. But the same is also true. Like, don't overthink the failure here, you know, like it's not because KD and Kyrie and James Harden can't play together. It's because they didn't play together. Right. right? right. So you don't really have to, you don't have to do too much thinking. So what we're going to do for this podcast is, uh, respond to some mailbag sent in by friend of the show, friend IRL and, um, frequent guest. He's been on at least, Three times, I think, if not more. Yeah. Uh, Seth Scott at Sets on Twitter. He's a he's a, a, a prominent figure in the Nets Twitter community, and <laughs> uh, and a prominent figure in our friend group. Yes. Um, so he sent us a wonderful email today with some of his thoughts on the season, and in within those thoughts, he had. Five questions for us, and so we're, this episode is basically just going to be working through these five questions as a sort of way to process our feelings about what just happened during the season, and then we will get into uh, next episode and the, the following episodes. We'll get into the the real meat of this show, which is pure fantasy land. Right, the off season <laughs> is when your dreams become a reality, right. <laughs> um, and also we'll be talking about a lot of restaurants. I'd imagine during that time as well. I was like, I was telling Claire today, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a quick episode. We're going to get in and out, at, you know, maybe even under thirty minutes. And she's like, it's going to take hours, isn't it? And I was like, <laughs> it's going to take hours, and it's probably largely going to be about Dak Shepard. So. <laughs> Listeners, if you're not interested in an hour and a half on Dax, I would turn off. But if you are, <laughs> five star, five star. Yeah. Um, no, we will We will just be getting to these questions, and uh, let's do so now, Simon. Okay, I'm ready. All right, first question. What do you guys think happens if Harden doesn't come back in the series and the role guys just get more minutes, even after Kyrie goes down? So... Fun counterfactual here, Simon. Uh, I know I found myself screaming at the TV several times, why is James Harden in, especially in Game 5, especially in Game 5. But it it turned a high-octane offense into a slow, grinded-out slog of an offense. Yeah. Um, and... You could see that in our complete lack of transition buckets, especially in game six. It was really, really bad. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's fair. James Harden couldn't couldn't move. But what do you think? Should 
is there any argument that maybe uh, Mike James should have gotten minutes over him or we should have tried to rely on other nets helping KD, maybe providing a little more uh, a little more energy and and uh, hard out there than than a guy who's who's clearly playing on one leg? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm really conflicted about this. I, I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, having a guy takes who takes 17 shots and makes 30% of them, uh, and even worse from three, um, is not good. That's bad. And as you detailed, he, he gums up uh, the transition offense as well. But on the other... Like yeah, if you're turning to as a result, you don't have you don't have Kyrie. You're turning to Mike James, like you said, or Tyler Johnson. Like I don't know that I'm like super excited to see what those two do, especially in a game seven. Like I I don't know that I would think they would do better than three for ten. You know or you know whatever, but. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very tough for me and maybe defensively they would be better and maybe the flow would be better, but then like, I don't know, like Durant would have to take even more shots perhaps. I, I, I just don't, I, I'm not an, clearly I'm not an unequivocal. Yes. It would have been better if he didn't play. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I mean, obviously impossible to know. Um, I think. Oh man, a, a case could could definitely be made, but uh, yeah, obviously we'll 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 never know. Um, but I think it is a it's a fun counterfactual there. Um, yeah. Next question: Is this team essentially the same come next season, or is there some big turnover trades, etc.? So what do you think, Simon? Is there going to be is this is this what it's going to look like next year? I mean, presumably slightly healthier. Um, yeah. Or, or not. Yeah, I think so. I, I I think like the the big three will be here, and then that's like all of your salary cap. So you don't really have much flexibility if you're keeping those three. Uh, the one person we'll get to this in a moment with with Seth's uh, other question, but um, I do think. If somebody moves, it's not like an like you know. I, I have no idea if, if like Jeff Green or Blake Griffin or any of the sort of ancillary pieces will be back. That I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if many of them are gone. That tends to happen with the, the you know, your minimum contracts. But um, big question is Joe Harris. Okay, so why don't we get into Joey Buckets? He's, his next question was, give me the official maybe Nets time take on Joey Buckets. Do you want to trade him like what seems like 90% of Nets Twitter last night after the loss? Uh, so I saw on, I forget the account, like NBA Central or something like that, a video of someone burning a Joe Harris uh, jersey last <laughs> night. So, Can you imagine a Net fan with that much passion? I can't, it's it's honestly very hard to believe. And I and I looked back over his line from last night and while he had that devastating last last uh, minute wide open 3 that he missed, yeah. he didn't hit 3 threes. 
I mean, he wasn't playing great. Uh, no one is going to argue that. But he, he wasn't as bad as I think I rem- in my mind he played in that game. And, and Nets Twitter seems to think he played in that game. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a culmination of, of the, the many, many bad games. He, yeah, five, five bad games in a row. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we sort of talked about this before the before the playoffs, not to not to pat ourselves on the back too much yeah, here, yeah. but I I don't have a ton of faith in him. So all right. If 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 we if that's the big sort of piece, right, that we could get something for potentially in a this fucking machine. Yes, we're back. Okay. <laughs> How wonderful is that? All right. So the question, Simon, is becoming, uh, what do you think we might be able to get for Joe Harris? Or, like, what what would be better suited to support the big three than Joe Harris, a sharpshooter? Right. So that's that's the question. I, I think that... It's funny because yes, the the, the feeling it, it makes sense to be like you, this this guy stinks when it matters most. Why keep him on the team? You could probably get something for him, although he's on a pretty big contract. He's not the steal of a deal that he has been in the past. But I'm sure there are teams that would be interested in him. But um, I do think, like as we've talked about, there's few types of players that better fit around three superstars than Joe Harris. So I don't think you would go out maybe, maybe a center, but like how much are you really wanting to like trade a player whose skill set is like extremely valuable for a player that, for a type of player that is the least valuable. So then you, you maybe you're like, uh, maybe like a defensive wing, maybe a goon that I've been craving. But maybe like then, a Robert Covington type, right? Like a Robert Covington type, sure. And that's interesting. That's appealing to me. Yeah, I feel like any of these scenarios. I mean, our default is to be like, I think we need to get someone who's really good at defense, right? Uh, because yeah, this team has no defense, right. and you know, maybe that's true. But honestly. I don't think it was our defense that was killing us in this uh, that that ultimately cost us this series. No, if we could score anywhere close to where we normally would, right? Like we 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 scored like eighty some points in at least two games, and even in this game, like even with an OT period, we scored what like one oh nine or something. Right. That's I not mean, great. also, this is just evidence, like. There's a cascading effect for each of these guys that goes down of the big three. It has knock-on effects for everyone else in the team. Like, Joey Bucket is going to torch your team if all of your defenders are trying to stop three of the greatest scorers in the NBA, right? Like, your entire team defense is oriented around stopping the big three. Therefore, Joey Bucket's benefits massively with wide-open looks. Um, and you start taking out threats like that, and all of a sudden Joe's getting guarded by better players, bigger players. They're in his, they're in his grill, they're in his head, and and clearly he's not up to creating a lot of offense on on his own. But I I don't I don't know I I'm not I'm not fully out on Joe Harris. I'm not I'm not burning my Joe Harris jersey. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not either. I mean, I, I, I'm just not sure what you get back that's necessarily much better. Like, it, it, yeah, to your point, like, is it Robert Covington? Like, that's interesting. But it's not like you're like, oh, yeah, that's, like, exactly right. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, you know, when, 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 we're, when we're now thinking about, like, what does this team really need? For me, the answer is for the three dudes to not be injured, you know, (laughs) like, and that's not something you can trade for. That's not something you can roster plan for. You know, it's just complete chance. It seems like. Yeah. Um, All right. Next question, Simon, for the Nets. Uh, One dream you have heading into offseason next season and one fear you have. So let's start. Um, let's start with the dream, Simon. What's one Nets fantasy you have about next season? My fantasy, William, is that those three stars are still committed to, you know, playing, sharing the ball, liking each other, um, playing the defense that they did in the, the playoffs. Like Kyrie was like, pretty decent on defense in the playoffs. Like, um, I don't know that we could have asked for much more effort on that side of the ball from, from the, the, the three again, Harden can't move laterally. So he had some defensive liabilities, but, um, but yeah. And I just, you know, like so much, so much went wrong this year as, as we've detailed here in terms of injuries. So, so much, very bad. But so much went right, not just in terms of, as you laid out, the, the other teams falling apart and, you know, the Lakers going down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but just internally, like we got so like players bought in completely like we had role players emerge in a huge way um, that were not being paid very much. And thus, like we could have them on the roster. Uh, Kyrie seemed to be fine sharing guard duties with a huge usage guy and Harden Harden wasn't so interested in, you know, shooting, et cetera, et cetera. All of those things are really not guaranteed to happen next year. So my dream is that, that we get the same level of commitment and contentedness that we got this year. Uh, my dream is that, I, I mean, I of course share your dream that, that they remain contented. But my dream will be that Sean Marks pulls some more Sean Marks magic out of his hat and somehow is able to trade DeAndre Jordan for anything. <laughs> right? <laughs> that, that somehow he's not on the team, his salary is not on the team, and we don't have to give up whatever picks we might possibly have in like two and a half decades or whatever Houston's done with our picks. Uh, Uh We don't have to give up any picks to get off of it. Yeah. Hey, that's a dream. Uh, And your big, your biggest fear. I mean, I guess it's, you sort (laughs) of gave, gave your biggest fear as part of your dream as well, which is discontent to sown between the big three. Exactly. And, and, or um, more, devastating lengthy injuries yeah i guess my biggest fear would be that uh what we saw especially early on in the season where like 
the every single news cycle is dominated by some outrageous Kyrie Irving situation <laughs> right like we're not talking right. about basketball at all we're not talking about how the nets are doing at all the only thing that we're talking about is like uh you know Kyrie's taking personal leave days or something like that um i hope that i hope that next season doesn't become subsumed in the the Kyrie Irving sort of sideshow stuff yeah yeah. Oh, all right. Well, final question. And again, thank you so much for sending us these. This it really I mean, I didn't know how to handle this podcast. We're both raw. We're both we're both still still coming off a, a brutal letdown last night. So this very much helped to sort of structure how we can think about all this stuff. So the final yeah, question you, Seth sent Will the NBA adopt my idea of having an NBA game with no ref, pickup ball style, to help fix the terrible shooter bias in the NBA? And if so, will it be tested out in the midseason tourney next season? Simon, how do you like the idea of pickup ball style? Each player has to call their own fouls uh, refing in in an NBA game. I... I think that NBA players are so accustomed to complaining that uh, they would not be able to to be honest with themselves about whether they whether they committed fouls or were fouled. I mean, can but. you can you imagine any any player who would upset other players more than James Harden and how he would call <laughs> how how he would self referee. <laughs> like you definitely saw it yesterday in in game 7 at a certain point we were talking about whether he would actually hit a field goal in the game or whether it would 100 be percent be free throws earned by flopping <laughs> there, there was <laughs> never a trace of a foul on that guy that guy last game and he was living at the charity strike <laughs> yeah and he and he also just he, I mean, I am more convinced than ever that he is a genuinely weird dude, which I like. I really, I, I like Harden so much more than I did when he was in Houston. Um, but I could see, you know, like, I think the idea, Seth's idea is that um, having to call your own fouls, like in pickup, would inhibit players from over excessively calling, like, nitpicky fouls, right? Because there's, like, some pride in not being, like, calling every single thing on the court. Yeah. I think I think Harden is 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 zigging when others are zagging on that one, and uh, and he is going to call every single thing that he knows he is artificially making up. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I, I think him and I like Spencer Dinwiddie. There are a lot of just players that I just can't can't imagine. Well, speaking of Spencer, uh, on a scale like what percent? chance do you think there is that Spencer Dinwiddie picks up his player option and is a net next season? Oh, good question. Um, 
five percent. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine it's much higher than that. We never did, in spite of ending uh, dozens of podcasts with the question, "Will we see Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie in the playoffs?" We now have a, a definitive answer to that question, and it is no. We are not going to see Spencer in the playoffs. <laughs> Not sure he ever got to Brooklyn. I don't believe he and Steve Nash have formally been introduced yet. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, all right, Simon. Final thoughts on this season before we transition in our future podcast, not right now, to, uh, to the magical thinking of the offseason. Um. Yes, Nets Nation, thank you for, for listening to us. Um, we, again, as we've said uh, in years past, we do some of our best work in the off offseason. Um, so, so please continue to listen. This is when, when we get um, wacky, wild, weird, and fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we're, we're always wacky, wild, weird, and fun. Um, you know, most episodes. This one's just a depressing therapy session, but... Um, <laughs> Most most of the time, we're trying to throw some some games at you, maybe or whatever. But 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 some, some uh, levity, anyway. maybe maybe comparing some players to fruit and whatnot. Exactly, exactly. So there's lots of that stuff coming your way. So please continue to listen. Um, as far as the season, you know, it was um, it was deeply deeply painful uh, at parts. <laughs> but you know, you got to kind of. You remember, remember how great you felt after Game Five. Remember how weird and good it felt to have like you know these three superstars on your team doing stuff that like the Nets just don't do. The Nets teams like every every game it was like new franchise record for this, new franchise record for that. James Harden has more triple doubles than almost any Net ever, uh, and he's played like 15 games. Um, like you know, these sorts of insane records. It was, it was you're you're doing something pretty heinous to that microphone. I, I don't <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt you here, but <laughs> it's my fidgeter. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know, I don't know. Hope hope springs eternal. Pray for health. Pray for. Uh, oh, I don't know. Good, 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 good. Better luck next next season. Uh, pray, pray for Daniel Yunt. Uh, yes, right. Oh, yeah, right. Hey, Daniel, if you're out there, buddy. Breadcrumbs. We, we just said your name. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, Simon. Really, something with that microphone is. Is it still going? I'm not really yeah, it. yeah. It's it's quite scratchy, honestly. Um, I might mute still? for a second if I were you. Uh, yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, thank you all so much for listening. It was a wild season, uh, especially these last couple weeks. We were looking, oh, so very good, and uh, not so much anymore. But as Simon says, hope springs eternal, and we. We'll have some wild content for you this offseason. We'll have some special guests. We're going to do, of course, our annual draft preview with draft guru, sage, fellow blockhead, James, uh, which I know most people at Nets Nation um, have that in their calendar months in advance uh, because it is a, a can't-miss Nets event, really. Almost 
bigger than the draft itself is our is our breakdown of the youngins each season. So that'll be coming up. But uh, we promised you a short cast, and we're going to give you a short cast, and we will say now solemnly, but also hopefully, Simon. We'll go ahead and see you. I was tired of my lady We'd been together too long Like a worn out recording Of a favorite song So while she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read 